I'm John Caldera, president of Independence Institute. Patty Calhoun is a longtime drinking buddy who also happens to be editor of Westward. Who better, over a beer, to ask to look into a crystal ball for 2023 predictions? This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com and searching for our channel, IITV, which stands for Independence Institute TV. Or just go to thinkfreedom.org. I hope you enjoy this discussion. We have one person who knows everything that's going to happen politically in 2023. She couldn't make it, but somehow Patty Calhoun could. You know Patty from Westward, but also she's on some other TV show. I am. Yeah. I am. As are well, as are you sometimes. Sometimes not enough though. Radio. Radio. I'm not quite oh, as slutty as you are. <laughs> you don't need the money as badly as I do. <laughs> All right. What was the big story of 2022? I have to say it was Colorado. the election, yeah. Colorado, and especially co- across the country, but Colorado's big red wave that turned into like a receding little pink wave and a blue trickle tidal wave. It was crazy. It wasn't, it was a red wave that turned into a blue wave. For the first time in Colorado history, we've got a super majority, Democratic majority in the House. We're only one squishy Republican away from a super majority in the, in the Senate. I mean, it was a, it was a blue wipeout. And we spent so much time getting ready to turn yeah. red or to at least get kind of purple or maybe just tinged. tinged. And it was crazy. I mean, you might have had the only success story with the tax rate cut, but it was beyond belief. And we even had some reasonable Republicans, which was the first part of that story that the reasonable Republicans did win the primary, despite all the money the Democrats put in to try to get the, let's say, more crazy people on the ballot. You had you had Heidi Canale, who didn't run a great campaign, but you had, she was not Ron Hanks. You had, was Ron Hanks? No, Greg Lopez, sorry. Uh, she was not Greg Lopez. You had Joe O'Day, who would have been a real, who was a good candidate, certainly far better than Ron Hanks would have been. And they just didn't make a now, dent. You've got gorgeous boots. Well, Much better than my holes. boots. Mm-hmm. I call it the, the uh, boot barn rebellion. So the Republicans oh. who are at the boot barn, because if you're going to have a protest, boot barn's the place to do it, because it's close to the GOP, they are differing with you. They said if only you had Ron Hanks and Tina Peters, um, then, then they would have won. What do, you, what do you say to them? I say you are crazy. Why because are they first crazy? of all, when you look at it, you've got 46% of Colorado voters are unaffiliated, right? So the odds are good if they were on the far left side or the far right, they would have been affiliated at some point. But they're probably going to be in the middle. So they're going to go to either party who's got a reasonable candidate. I don't think they're just being shy by not wanting to be labeled. I think they really want to shop around. And I think that group, some of them did go for the Republicans in this race. Not enough. But I don't I'll, I'll see any way. of them going you, for the boot barn people, despite if, my boots. If you can't win in a primary that has unaffiliated, how in the world are you going to win in a general that also has unaffiliated? Well, you, you can't. Well, then there's the theory that they'll get rid of the primary with unaffiliated, right? So that's the new current move in the Republican Party. Maybe the Republican Party actually needs to find some real candidates and some smart strategy. But they strategy. did have real candidates. So, I mean, talking about this, we 
the Republicans have lost with uh, uh, with Dan Mays types and and other uh, far right types, the Daryl Glenn types, good guys, but uh, at least Daryl Glenn. Um, and this time, there wasn't an embarrassment candidate out there. There wasn't a Dan Mays out there. If you can't win with this set of Republican candidates on a year that is a, uh, a year for Republicans, you can't win. Well, you can if you start taking the long view, which is what the Democrats did 20 years ago, put in a lot of money to building up the grassroots system and getting a lot of people involved in the Democratic Party and building up the base. And that's what Coloradans, the Republicans don't do. They just throw money, beer, at the last second. But you need the money to build the party and to build those candidates. And to build things outside of the candidates, not around the candidates and not for the consultants. It's a different, different world. And also it's a different state than when you and I were kids. It is a whole different demographic. But I still think fiscally conservative, there are a lot of people who are fiscally yeah, conservative. Socially liberal, yes, absolutely. Beer, mushrooms. I'm so glad you gave me some mushrooms before I went on. It's the only way to call they're legal you down. Now, now legal. Uh, but this By is the way, a, your business wouldn't survive without weed and mushrooms. Yes, we're all about vice. Yeah. All legal vice, of course. But oh, wait, I want to hear that again. All legal vice? I'm assuming, yes. It's. I'm sure, to my knowledge, mm-hmm. it's all legal mm-hmm. vice. In our paper, but ever had any uh, prostitutes advertising in your paper? Not that I've called. <laughs> <laughs> we have had some of those escorts, but yeah, yeah. but very legal, I'm sure. Anyway, um, where was I? That Republicans. <laughs> Thank you. The we never call escorts, by the way. <laughs> oh no, no, they never. never. Call. Let's no. not even get into Ted Haggard and um, that wasn't Mike a Jones. Ted Haggard wasn't a no, Republican? could not have been. Oh, yeah. Well, we won't get into any of those. Anyway, the problem is you, the Republicans aren't making a case that they're fiscally conservative and they're the way you want to go if you want to preserve that part of the state. They're just all over the place with these candidates that pop up. They haven't built a base. They haven't built their platform. There's not the long view. And Republicans don't want to spend the money it takes to do a 20-year long haul on, on such a thing. It's, it's just, it's not, it's not in the nature. It's not in, the, in their nature. Well, you wouldn't think Democrats would be that planning out that far ahead, but they, they were. Do. 20 years ago, they did. And it's not like Republicans haven't thrown money at these. They've just thrown it in a not smart way. Well, I think also Democrats, particularly the wealthy ones, the ones who wanted something, they didn't want Democrats. They didn't wake up one day and uh, Tim Gill said, you know what, I want a working Democrat majority. That's what I want. I'm going to put in tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars to get Democrats elected. He wanted a policy end. He wanted gay marriage. He wanted to marry his husband. That's what he wanted. And and same thing with Pat Stryker and even Jared Polis. And they put this money in and then they had to partner with people who said, you know, I want to end fossil fuels here in Colorado. And somebody had said, you know, I want to unionize all these government workers and I want to get home health care workers unionized. And then they, and they started partnering with these folks who wanted policy outcomes. I get a feeling that a lot of Republican big donors wanted Republicans to win, but they didn't quite know exactly for what. They didn't say, this is what I want. I want this particular thing done. 
And so to the Democrats, the politician is an ends to a means. And I'm not certain that's the way for a lot of Republican donors. No, and until they go there, they're not going to win. No. Anything. All right, so moving forward, 2023. I think Republicans are going to be wandering in the desert for a long time. I don't think that means that the particular causes are going to wander. I also believe we're going to start seeing a third way. And I think it's going to be ugly. I think we're going to start seeing more unaffiliated candidates popping up in different places. We're going to start seeing different, you know, reform parties and third parties, and it's going to be ugly. I think it's just going to be really crazy. Um, let's start off with, with Denver. Uh, right now, there, there's like 532 guys running for, for mayor, and, and if you have public funding of elections, why not? Somebody else is paying for it. Well, why not is we're, we're going to run out, and we might already have run out by the time this airs, because there's only $8 million in that kitty, that public funding kitty, which is actually coming from the public. So it's coming out of our tax dollars already. You've and how got, does that work? So is it, there's a limited amount and they s- s- The way it, it was set up when we voted for it in 2018 in I Denver. Didn't, I didn't vote for it. You're in I, Boulder. You didn't I, vote I, I for, didn't for it. it. You were too busy, like, removing straws <laughs> from little children. So in Denver, we both voted for the Fair Elections Fund, which sets up, I think it's one less than 1%, but it put in a certain amount of Denver taxpayer funds in a kitty. And it's $8 million over the four-year municipal cycle. And up to $750,000 would go to each mayoral candidate if they hit certain hurdles, getting on the ballot, number one, getting donations from a certain number of individuals, too. But most people are going to hit that. That's not going to be any problem. So you've got 25 candidates. Ten of them hit it. You take out the administrative costs, and you don't have anything left in that $8 million for any of the other elections, which are also supposed to be covered. Then you have to go to Denver City Council and ask them to add more money to the fund. And how many of the people on Denver City Council are also running? So it's going to be So they're, they're going to add it because they want coverage, don't they? Presumably they want coverage. Some of them are already saying they are taking the fair election funds. So Kevin Flynn, very reasonable guy, he has already signed up for fair election funds and is re- running for re-election. Debbie Ortega running for mayor, city council person term limited, taking it. Everybody is really taking this. I've not heard anyone making a big stand of not taking it. Because it's free money. It's free money. And you can still raise other money. There just are limits on how much you can raise and how. So who's going to win in this? This is, all right, what, What's usually in the runoffs, and it's I've always seen this in Denver, there's usually like five, six guys running. And you kind of get to play that three-dimensional chess, and it usually comes down to the, the two people who make it to the runoff. There's the establishment E person, and then the reform-ish person. And so the, the establishment E person is still the guy who's going to be pushing for all the, all, the, uh, all the tiffs and the piffs and the tax increases and and your Michael Hancocks and your Penas and your Wellington Webbs or whoever, and then somebody who's going to, you know, and that's what it always comes down to. I don't know what it's going to be this time. Well, when you figure you need to, just to get in the runoff, you have to be one of the top two vote getters. Right. Otherwise, somebody has to get 50% plus of the vote. That's not going to happen. happen. No way it's going to happen. And matter of so, fact, I've never, I don't remember that ever happening. 
Not in my short lifetime. No, yeah. it hasn't happened. There's always been a runoff. So I was here. Uh, our first election we covered really strongly was Pena. When he was a very dark horse candidate, he was not tips was and it, pips. It was, only, it was only a snowstorm that got him. Well, he still was doing pretty well. The snowstorm was but bumped McNichols out. Right. But Pena was still one of two that went into the rematch and the runoff, and he won handily, which is really interesting. And that's kind of set the wave of the new Denver. And then 20 years ago, it was Hickenlooper, who was polling at this time at 3%. Really? 3% when he got in in January. How many were in the race back then? There were about seven. And there were good, strong candidates. Remember Ari Zavaris, who'd yeah. been the police chief? Don Maras was there. Penn Tate ran that year. There were a lot of what interesting candidates. What year did Penn Tate not run? Well, he's not running for mayor in 2023. But he Yet. is running for at-large city council. So you had some good candidates that year. And Hickenlooper was kind of a dark horse candidate coming up, too. And beat Zavaris, who was clearly the one that he fair-haired right, people. So out of the 58 people who are running, give me, give me your top two who are going to make it. Because Kelly Bruff is supposed, you know, because she's the poster child for, um, you know, the crony system of, 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 of the business elite, you know, the ones who do the conference centers and, the, and every tax increase, every bad tax policy that uh, gets passed, every tax increase happens at the Denver Chamber. She's supposed to be their, their darling. I just don't know if she's going to make it into the last two. Well, if you only need 17% of the votes, say, to get in the last two, and that's, it could be even be less depending on how viable some of the candidates seem. But 20 might seem safe. So if you could get 20% of the business people, because there's no one really more businessy than Kelly, and that's still a fair number of people who would be voting. When you think about it, she could come away with 20%, even though I don't think she'd like to present herself as the business candidate. I think she would like to present herself as a mediator who works with neighborhoods and comes up with solutions, because that's what she was doing before she was at the Chamber yeah, of Commerce. Yeah, she can do that, but she's the yeah, tax increase right, candidate. Right, exactly. But now she is the Chamber of Commerce. She's branded that way. But I still think she will be in the runoff. Really? I think she will make it. I think she's got the clearest path. You've got Leslie Harrod, who's going to kind of knock out Lisa Calderon. They're going to have some infighting that way. You've got Debbie Ortega, who's going to—that's going to take some votes from Lisa Calderon. You've got Mike Johnston and Chris Hansen. So you got the two white guys. There are other white guys, but these are the white guys whose names are coming out more. It's really going to be tricky to figure out that second. Interesting one for me will be Paul Pazin if he decides to run. Because I think people are tired of the crime. And since this guy is no longer the chief of police, and he's, he's hacked off because I don't think he felt like he could do the, his job. And he's hacked off because I think he gives the message, I wasn't allowed to do my job. Let me be mayor, and we'll stop the crime. Um, I think people are hacked off enough, angry enough at the crime everywhere and the mess everywhere. That might be able, enough to do it. Well, I think you make a good point because it's the person who's got a strong campaign who's going to break out of the pack. No one has a really strong message yeah. yet. He would if he took that tack. And he said, it was the administration's fault. I wanted to do this. They stopped me. Here's how you can stop crime. And he comes up with a proactive plan. He could do very well. Or if, you know, you've got to think most of these candidates have to be kicking themselves. If they'd run four years ago, Hancock was very vulnerable four years ago, as we saw by Jamie Gillis getting as far yeah. as she did. If Kelly Bruff had run then, 
but she wouldn't have would have split the vote. I think she would have won easily. Oh, it's so weird. Ago. All it takes when there's 58 people running is one strong thing. You you have to hook onto one strong hook just to get into the runoff. And I don't know if any of them so far have that. They haven't done it. I mean, Hickenlooper did. Uh, remember the parking yeah, meter stuff in great commercial. If someone did a street, uh, the trash removal, I don't know how it is in Boulder, but in Denver, people are panicked about now about the pay-as-you-throw system, which we've already heard by the, from the auditor. No one's prepared to handle. The city's not going to be able to do it yet. So we're going to have this disastrous trash removal thing that people are suddenly paying for. That is going to piss people off. It seems to me. Mind you, I don't get a vote. I, I live but in you the, have a TV show. Yeah, I, I, I live in the hellscape called Boulder. But the hellscape that is Denver is getting more disgusting, more trashy, more cluttered, more people passed out on streets, more... Oh, it's that's only in front of your eyes. That's only in front of my eyes. Well, that's mostly Dave Copel's work. But the thing of, of crime, which is saying, vote for me, we're going to get bums off the street. That's it. I think that guy would find his way into... Into the end. Into you throw the in the stolen cars, yep. the porch pirates. You throw in all those things that are affecting people day to day. Yep. Not long term, not a big National Western build out, yep. not the C470 park or uh, the C70 park. You're going to give people something they will really think about daily. And they're going to be thinking about it a lot this year. How crazy is the state legislature going to get going into the session? We have a, we have a near veto proof legislature of socialist whack jobs. I can't imagine, since Polis couldn't stand up to them before, I can't imagine he's gonna stand up to them more. And let's remember, it's 2023, we've got uh, the uh, uh, gasoline tax, I'm sorry, fee, uh, is finally coming in. The new payroll tax is finally coming in. We've got the uh, EPA is gonna start charging us to reformulate our gasoline, that's gonna be, you know, 60 cents a gallon, perhaps. Uh, we've got the new Denver minimum wage is coming in. That's $17 and nearly 30 cents a, uh, an hour. You know, all these things are starting to, to pile on top of each other. Uh, things are going to get expensive here real fast. I think, I think it's going to get very, very fun very soon. It's going to depend a lot on what, if the Democrats continue to take a long view, the Democrat people who, the Democrats who got the money, who are donating to campaigns, who are thinking about 2024. Polis brought in Alec Garnett as his chief of staff. That wasn't stupid. I mean, that's going to be someone who can work with the legislature. But the question is, how do, is he going to work with the legislature? Is it going to be to push? There. You know, Alec Garnett is a smart guy. I mean, he, that is a, a really approachable choice for for um, uh, chief of staff. And I know Alec. You can talk to him. He's not he's not Leslie Herod. He ain't cray cray. Well, so I think he, and we've seen he can talk to legislators. Will they talk to him the same way when he's not the speaker? If Polis wants to be president, which of course he does, whether it's in two years uh, or in six years, he's going to have to start taking on his own party. I think he's going to have to prove that he's not just a libertarian in national newsprint, but he's going to have to start acting like one. Uh, I just don't know if he can pull it off. But I do think his bringing in Alec Arnett shows that he's serious about, about what? Because about all this, trying crazy, all this to, craziness happened under Alec right, Garnett. But trying to moderate the legislature somewhat. 
Alec wasn't able to do it. Well, did he? who else could? Okay, so it's going to be crazy and you're going to lose a lot of things, John. Yes, it's going to be awful. It'll be unlike anything we have ever seen. Um, uh, I mean, unlike anything we've ever seen. I am more optimistic that there will be, conservative clearly isn't the word, but it'll be moderated a little bit merely by thinking about 2024. How do you mean? That people will be thinking about being reelected. So they might realize. What? All right. I so, could be wrong. So the hope was that um, Republicans would make sizable gains, even in the House, meaning which that in committee, instead of having um, uh, two, three, four vote majorities in committee, there might be one or two vote majorities, which means lobbyists could just try to pull one reasonable Democrat their way and stop a bad bill or, or lessen a bad bill. Now there's no chance they can lessen a bad bill. So things are gonna be landing to, um, to the governor's desk in a fury. I, I cannot see that it's gonna slow down. I can if the governor say, can't stop them beforehand, and maybe I'm more optimistic that he will be able to moderate things. Well, clearly I'm more optimistic than you are, which yeah. is saying something. That's a, that's, well, you've been drinking more than I have. Always. All right, what's the top issue gonna to be? The top issue of the year? Yeah. Well, I think politics will remain pretty high up. We'll have to see about the environment if it is dry as it was last year. If we have more natural disasters, we had a fairly good fire year, for example. And a great fire year. Yeah, but if we have something again like the Marshall Fire, I mean, think about that. That was a year ago and came up so unexpectedly, just the devastation that we're still recovering from. So something like that comes up again People will really be rethinking Colorado. We're going to be talking about traffic. We're going to be talking about the homeless. That The homeless, I think, will be the big issue in the election. I think the, in the war on, um, on energy is going to keep going. I think we're going to see more building codes. We're going to see more of this forced electrification, uh, what's been popping out. And it's so fascinating to see how Polis has been able to play both sides of this you know, pushing a gun control legislation by calling it local control. You know, so you know, he can say, you know, this Pontius Pilate thing and washing my hands, but all over uh, in, in liberal areas, they're putting, pushing in gun control. So there'll be a push to do more on the state level and he'll have to deal with that because the idea is you do it on a local level and now there'll be calls on, on the state level. Uh, same thing on building codes that we're going to have to put in new building codes that say, when you rebuild your house, no electric stove, no electric um, water heat, no electric house heat, or no no gas, yes. no gas. It'll all be electric. Um, that's just going to be ridiculous. And the environmental movement is starting to crack. There are there are two different types of environmentalists. There are the ones that that Excel Energy loves because they're fanatical and they don't know how to do math. And so they love just putting up new regulations and Excel loves building new windmills and building new solar farms. But and billing their and clients. Bill, yeah, building, triple building, quadruple building, uh, billing their clients. But it cannot add up. It doesn't add up. There will not be enough way to do it. And then there's those, those environmentalists that can do math. And those guys are saying, this, this doesn't add up. There's, 
we will not be able to afford enough windmills to, to power all the electric heat you want. This is ridiculously inefficient. If you're going to get there, we're going to have to build some nukes. And they don't want nuke power. And so I believe we're going to start a conversation about, do we want to bring nuclear power back to Colorado? And that's going to be the fight. Uh, well, that will, be, that will be a truly hot conversation. Because the <laughs> children of the nuke age are not going to be going for it in a hurry. But it's going to be, it's got to be a discussion topic. And it could be one that Polis, if he leads on, he could be a national leader on. Because there's no other way he is going to make his targets. You know, mind you, the targets will be there when he's gone. That's a beautiful thing about saying, we're going to be carbon free well after I'm out of office. Those are beautiful, beautiful things to if say. If he proposes nuclear power, I'm bringing you a six-pack six very soon. He says he's open to it in that wonderful Polis way. Well, it depends on what the data says. Well, you know, you can get the data to say anything you want. I think you might be bringing me a, a six-pack. Okay, I'll bring you a 12-pack of this good beer featured on Yellowstone. What is it about Yellowstone? Somebody, is it, is it that middle-aged women are in love with Co Kevin Costner? I haven't seen this show. I don't think it's that. I think mostly middle-aged women are really excited about Beth because they want to go Beth? punch men and um, tell people to screw off in their offices. All right, now you're the this, this second woman now to tell me it's not about men, it's about Beth. Who's Beth? Beth is Kevin Costner's daughter, who, as he said on a recent show, is as free as a wild animal. She's free, and he's the one she he envies because she does anything she wants. Is she available? <laughs> I'm sure she is. Is she seeing anybody right now? She's seeing just about everybody on that show. She's like seeing the guy who kills people, so. I like her. Okay, perfect. Right. You said there was some sort of hot cat fight? Hot cat fight two weeks ago. Beth and an environmentalist, so you'd oh love it. Oh, my God. This is all I needed. Mm -hmm. wow, so, are we there about? you go. 2023, it's going to be all Yellowstone. Everyone acting like Yellowstone. Kevin Costner is the governor of Montana. Really? Yeah, in the show now. I spent a lot of time in Montana, and no governor there has ever worn a black suit every day to work. But Is it a leather, leather black suit? No, no. Oh. All right. I'm sold. Okay. Just, just cat fight. Tell Watch me, the cat tell fight. me where the cat fight is so I can just get to that episode. I will, I will check and I will give you the exact time. That's all I'm needing for. That's all, that's all I need. Maybe we need a cat fight on the floor of the legislature oh or God. in a mayoral Speaking debate. Speaking of which, so you're going to have on the JBC, you're going to have Emily Sirota and uh, Kirkmeyer, Barb Kirkmeyer, the two polar opposites. And if there is going to be, if there's going to be a brawl going down to punches, I can't imagine two more polar opposite people uh, on uh, the most heated, most important uh, committee in Colorado. That's, that's where the fight's going to well, be. Well, certainly the committee to watch because they've got a tough job ahead of them and it's thankless, but we'll see. What is it? It's, it's you know, two-thirds to one-third Democrats, whatever the de they they've got it all. There's not Republicans have nothing to do at the legislature. There is nothing. There is nothing to do except you know grandstand and, and make points. There's nothing to do. They don't need to worry about anything except cracking jokes. There's but, nothing they can do. But still, if you're on the JBC, you have to propose a balanced budget because that's constitutional in Colorado. So you have yes, some hard work to do. Yes, but if you're the Republicans there, you can't. They can't do anything. Right. It's the easiest job in the world. You just stand up every now and then and say, I vote no. 
and you smell bad. That's it. So Barb Kirkmeyer can recover from her election. That brings back unaffiliated and the libertarian candidates and yeah. the third party candidates, which is they can be real spoilers in elections. When you look at a close election like that one, she might have won had there not been a libertarian. Candidate. I looked at the numbers, and out of um, all the seats, there were three of three elections where potentially you could say they were spoilers, libertarians or somebody else was a spoiler. Hers definitely libertarian. You could say was in the margin. The other two, eh, maybe. In the um, um, there was an election for a state school board, and it was the Constitutional Party uh, who was a spoiler. And you can really say, well, it's a Constitutional Party. They always pull from Republicans. There's, there's no, well, they pull equally. No, Constitutional Party is you know, Republicans who are hacked off that that person wasn't Republican enough. But that whole thing that Libertarians were the spoilers in any other elections doesn't hold. But they certainly were in, in the eight. new eighth. And that also shows that it is not impossible for a Republican to win. Now, that was right. that was a far easier um, district than some others. And for Republicans, there were more Republicans there. But still, it's not impossible. Do you think Lauren Boebert changes her tune in the next two years? I don't think she's capable of changing her tune. I don't how think do you, there's anything in it for her how to change do you, her tune. How do you almost lose in a district that you have a nine-point registration advantage and not learn some lesson? Well, you might learn some lesson, but I wonder which, which lesson she'll learn. Will she think that if she'd gotten more people out to vote who support her antics that she would have done better? I mean, I don't see how she becomes a more reasonable person. I just don't see it in her makeup. I enjoy her quite a bit. I enjoy that she's the opposite of AOC. I think there's wonderful value there. And she enjoys it. She enjoys it. And there's a role so there. So why should she change? Because she's going she's gonna to lose a, an election mm -hmm. if she keeps doing that. Um, especially as Trump becomes more and more toxic. Uh, and I don't see him becoming less toxic anyway, anyhow. Um, and I don't know how to get the true Trumpsters to see that. As a guy who proudly voted for Trump, I don't see how to get people who are those Trumpsters to see that. I, I don't see, how, how do you convince right. them? And then how does she, divest, if, even if she wanted to separate herself from her Trumpism, how does she do it? What replaces it for her? I mean, she doesn't go just, Joe O'Day. No, you can't go Joe O'Day, but I think you just change the presentation just a little bit. You're still, and you become more Colorado-centric rather than Trump-centric. You spend a little less time at Mar-a-Lago. That's, it's not that hard. You, um, uh, you don't yell things during the State of the Union, whatever it is. Um, that's not that hard. But if she doesn't do it, does she? If she doesn't do those things, does she get any attention at all? People saying she's being reasonable. Well, we'll see. I just don't think that is where she'll go. Since it's uh, a year and a half away, just curious, who's the Republican nominee for president? I just put it down now. I'll just say Ron DeSantos. And if he is, does he win? It's going to depend on whether or not Biden run, runs again. Or even makes it that far. 
he runs again. If he makes it that far. If he makes it that far. If he doesn't make it that far, does Polis run? I wouldn't be surprised if Polis ran. In those cases, he's not going to challenge Biden. Nobody's going to challenge Biden. He's got plenty of time. Nobody's going to challenge Biden. Biden is definitely running. There's no way he's not running. Otherwise, he wouldn't be making all this stink about changing, what was it, uh, Iowa being the first. Um, yeah, get out of the cornfields. Get out of the cornfields. Um, Santos fascinates me. He, I think, is the only, only candidate that could, if he wins the nomination, could bring Trump voters with him. There is no way that Chris Christie or anybody else could bring Trump voters with them. Um, Republicans are they're in a big mess. These are scary times. I would say we're all in a pretty big mess. These are indeed scary times. That's 2023 for you. <laughs> all right, give me one Colorado prediction by the end of the year. Oh, Colorado prediction by the end of the year. Do we get a new coach for the Broncos? Oh, that's a given. Do we get a new quarterback for the Broncos? I would say no. Ah, ah. New coach, same quarterback. I, I agree. Well, we won't do that again in 2023 we'll either. Westward goes out of business in 2023? I'm, I'm sure that will not happen thanks to more vice being legal. No, I actually think this psilocybin, the psychedelic issue, we're looking at the medical marijuana back 12 years ago, yeah. that there is going to be a crazy boom that's going to go in such such weird directions. We're not, we have no idea yet. I'm talking to 80-year-olds who are microdosing. It's going to be a strange, strange new world. It is going to be a strange, strange new world. I believe that Westward will be bought up by the Denver Post and then go bust. Well, I think you can buy me a six-pack. If, if that comes true. I also believe that the Independence Institute will be purchased by the Bell Policy Center and then go bust. Yeah, that's pretty likely too. I thought maybe by Tim Gill's group. I, I take it. I need the buyout. <laughs> I need the retirement. Well, I would say there's no way the Post is buying anyone. The, I'm glad the Post is still around, but it, that's a miracle. I am saddened that the Post is no longer doing endorsements. So apparently this came head, down from on high. Came down from anything from on high is always bad. I have never ever agreed with the post endorsements, but to lose another local voice in media just stinks. And Ugh. there's no question. I mean the post is a shadow of itself because yeah. their staff is so small. They're doing a lot with very little while Alden Global takes all the money. Uh, I've been impressed by how much Denver Gazette is doing, the commitment Phil Anschutz has to really pushing this online newspaper. We'll see how long that continues. I think it continues. I'm, I'm impressed by the Gazette's editorial section, mostly because they run my column, which shows their taste and style. Um, but I miss having, I miss having um, a daily editorial from the Post and a daily editorial, which we do have from the Gazette, you know, I miss, I miss having two vibrant papers. I'm glad the Gazette is a vibrant daily editorial. I just wish the Post was there to do the same. So here's what I do every year at the Post. Uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever it is, you can get six months of the Post online for a dollar. And so I, I get it. And then I mark the calendar 
and then I cancel it because I'm not paying 15 bucks a month or whatever it is for it. And this year uh, it came and instead of the $1 for six months, it was um, one year for $10. Plus you can have four family members on your subscription as well. So it was five people for a full year for $10. Now, I don't know how in the world you make any money on that. This is your world. I'm assuming it's just to show online advertising numbers, which means they're back to where they were way back at the heyday of, of uh, the newspaper wars, where they're just giving it away digitally. And that can't last, can it? Well, the assumption is you can sell ads for more money or you sell more ads if you have more readers. And if you do it online, you don't have to pay for the cost of printing extra papers for right. those readers. But the question is, do advertisers care? I mean, you look, how many ads do you see online for the Denver Post? How many ads do you see for the Denver Gazette? That'll be the real issue is how long can they continue? Because the Post clearly is not making any money on those digital subscriptions. So that's not paying the bills. Advertising is still basically it. You make money only on advertising. Only on advertising. Although we do have a membership level, which you can happily donate. Every newspaper has a membership level now. All right. And, and that comes with a free psilocybin delivery service. Exactly. Exactly. And you have you can when get a it. call girl will deliver your psilocybin with the Westward. But do nothing more. Sadly. Yes. Nothing more. <laughs> nothing more. Does the post last? I think the post has a few more years in it, and it's going to depend. They have been wringing every bit of money they have out of it, but they still are getting money. If you look at those, I just got the free Sunday issue because I'm a digital subscriber. They said, please take the Sunday issue. There's only one reason they ask you to take that for free, which is they need to tell advertisers that they're getting this many homes. And you do still find those Sunday circulars. Those make the money. But they can only do it if they have Sunday papers. And so for you to get the, it's cheaper for you to get the digital subscription when they send you the actual physical paper. On Sunday. On Sunday. That's kind of sad. And well, it's a new bonus for me. Why? Then you got a paper you got to deal with. I can handle that. I know what to do with excess newsprint. What's sad is I got to line my, my birdcage now with computer screens for the digital paper. Well, that's good hearing that. Not Westward. Not Westward. Which still is free and free paper. When did you start Westward? 77. Why? Didn't want to get a real job. Yeah, I did. I did Same thing. It's amazing what we do not to work. It's amazing how hard you work not to work. That's you, the real issue. But you don't think of it as work. Well, you do sometimes. Sometimes. But then you see people working at Walgreens and you go, I don't want to do that. Yeah, All exactly. Right. Thank you. My pleasure. Good day. Let's go drink beer. Okay. Let's throw you. This is John Caldera, and if you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. You can listen to more episodes on all streaming services, with new ones being released weekly. And remember, this is the audio from our television show. To watch the video version, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.